some time ago, realizing that Sister French was going to be celebrating her 90th birthday, I thought, yes, we could, after a service tomorrow night, have a cake and our local assembly just have a, a time of fellowship. I thought, no, it deserves more than that. Amen. And I have thoroughly enjoyed, amen, Wednesday night in Anchorage. We had a beautiful time there. Thursday night in Sterling. And <clears throat> we had told Sister Ramona, told Sister French that if she was weak in body, that she didn't have to come to service last night. But as I was talking to Brother Odell, I told Brother Odell, I said, I will be shocked if she's not there. <laughs> and sure enough, and when I said to her, now, Sister French, you could have stayed home and rested tonight. Her reply to me was, well, the church doors were open. Hallelujah. Oh, thank God for people that have a desire to be in church when the church doors are open. Amen. And I thought as Brother Ross was met talking at the birthday celebration today and how they had spent so many years at Brother and Sister French, uh, <clears throat> it's very obvious what Sister Brother and Sister French felt just bled over into the Rosses. Because I'm telling you, every time the church doors are open, Brother and Sister Ross are here. Amen. It's, you know, it's just, it's just contagious. Amen. Praise God. And then back here tonight, on this Saturday night, for our fellowship meeting. Now I want Sister French to come and just sit up here, if you would, Sister French. Amen. Thank God. And we have heard, they, they had her talk up in Anchorage, and, and she, uh, had something to say in Sterling Thursday night. Last night we just let her enjoy church. And uh, <clears throat> I, I thoroughly enjoyed all those that spoke out at the Nazarene Church this afternoon. And uh, really enjoyed the remarks from different ones and from the family. But uh, we're just going to take a few minutes here. And uh, I want her just to talk to us. Praise God. Now, Brother Blackshear told you a little story on her. We've been after Sister French, especially Brother Glover. Brother Glover has just hounded her to, uh, to get on tape, you know, thoughts, you know, devotionals and just things. There is so much in that mind. And when we stagger for dates and times, she just spouts them out. It's amazing. When, when uh, Sterling had their 30th anniversary and she spoke at that, she had the scripture and the sermon that Brother French first preached, the first sermon she heard him preach. My, oh, my. So Brother Glover has really been after her, and, but uh, she's one of these when, when she sees a mic or something in front of her, she gets, you know, kind of nervous. And, and so Brother Glover's got this small, small recorder, and he's been, you know, on the sly recording, you know, when he's talking to her and, and, uh, she found out, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, what was going on. And he was talking to her one time and, and he put it down and she said, well, what's that? 
He said, well, Sister French, that's a little recorder. I've been recording. She said, you crook. (laughs) Oh, my. But I say assuredly that we probably wouldn't be here tonight were it not for Brother and Sister French. Praise God. And when I read and on occasion read one more place, I I try to imagine what it must have been like getting off that ship in Sitka, Alaska in the year of 1940. My, oh, my. They still call it the last frontier, but can you imagine what it was like in 1940? My, oh, my. And... Fifty-five years of her life has been spent in this great state. Praise God. Amen. And we love her tonight. And we appreciate everything that they have done. And Sister French, I just want you to take a time here and, and talk to us. God bless. Brother Churchill, you don't know how hard this is for me because I didn't know it. I could have written out a lot of stuff and maybe been able to read it to you, but that's the way I wrote the book. Just one more place. I I wrote it down in a book and then I read it into a tape and Sister Loudermilk took it, took out of it what she wanted and then <laughs> the rest of it has never been told, so if if there's questions in your mind, something you'd like to ask me, then maybe I could talk and tell you and answer the questions, but it's awful hard for me to just start out and, and talk, or my husband could talk, and he could preach, and he could write, but I never could do those things. God gave me a, a job to do. He gave me a job to to pray, be a kind of a backup, you know, and so that's all I all I have been able to do. It's just hard for me to think of something to to say, because saying to people is just not my dish. I can talk to God. I can talk to God, and I can do personal work when people come to me and ask me questions, and I can try to give out to them what what I feel like from the Lord that they need to know but as far as just talking to an audience this way I just don't do things like that and and it's just not not easy for me to do not a bit easy if you ask me to pray that's just wonderful I just love to talk to Jesus it's just precious but if you I don't know just what it is that you want to know do you want to know about our trip on the boat up here, about our trip landing in Sitka, or about getting started in in different places. Sure. <laughs> well, that's just a blank. At least they won't use that and don't want me to be a finger with it. Well, 
Well, on the way up here, we we drove to to Seattle. When we got there, we didn't know a soul to go to, but we knew that Brother Opson had a little church down there on Second Street, and my husband didn't ever drive in a big city, and he was so scared to drive in there to try to look for that little uh, church that he had there. So he left me and the two girls, little girls, Carmina and Audrey, they were seven and nine years old that summer. And he walked blocks and blocks into town to find Brother Opson and left us sitting there in that old Ford car. It was a 1921 car. And we sat there and we sat there. And finally he came back and he said he found out the way to go to Brother Opson. So we drove in there and he was just scared to death driving every every street corner he'd come to. It was just terrible. I could feel him just praying, God, help me get through this awful traffic. He had never driven in a big city before, and he was scared nearly to death. And we stopped, and we got to Brother Opson's church, and they were having a service, and we went in, and I don't remember much about that service because the main thing that was on our hearts was that Brother Haskell Yaden was going to be there for a conference that weekend. Oh, we were so happy because we knew Brother Haskell Yaden real well. And when he got there, I was down in front praying, and I was praying so hard that the Lord would show us what to do and how we could make it up to Alaska because we only had... I think it was about $14, if I remember right. We had $14 then. And my husband thought, well, we could sell the car, and we could sell the old cow. We sold our old cow for $5, and we sold the old car for $10. So that added 15 more to the 20 to the 14 so we had $29. And, oh, we did hope that would get us there. But we, my husband went to the, to the office of the Alaska Steamship Company and asked what the fare would be, and they told him that it would be $45 for each one of us. And that added up to we just couldn't do it. But before we left there in two weeks, we had been given enough money so that we, we could buy tickets as far as Wrangell. But we knew we were going to Sitka. God had told me very definitely it was Sitka that we were going to. And uh, we could go as far as Wrangell. Well, we said we bought the tickets to go as far as Wrangell. And we thought, sure, now when we get to Wrangell, why... Uh, the Lord will go ahead and make a way for us to get on to to Sitka. And after we had gone quite a little ways, or just about four hour, three or four hours out of Sitka, the chief engineer that worked down way down low in the boat come up and 
gave my husband $25. Oh, how we thank the Lord for that money. Anyway, it took us all to, as far as Sitka. We had $5 left when we got out of the boat. And it, we got a, a room that night for a dollar. Now, if you can imagine that. And, of course, that was in 1940s. Prices were a lot different than they are now. And we just had one bed, and we slept across the bed. He, he, he slept at the head and his next, and then the two little girls next, across the bed. And not up and down like you're supposed to. But we made it through the night. I didn't say we slept much, but we made it through the night. And the next morning then we went walking the streets of Sitka to find a place where we could live. And we found a little place down in the native village that we could rent for $5 a week. And... Uh, we could had to fix it so somehow so we could work it out. I don't remember. My husband was a carpenter. That is, he did carpentering. I don't say he was a carpenter at that time, but he had to do so much carpentering that he finally got to become a carpenter. He could get out and do lots of things. But but he did some carpentry work for a restaurant there, and we made it somehow. I, I still don't know. I can't. It doesn't compute. You can't sit down and write out how we paid for everything. But somehow it got paid. I do not know how. Only I know that God had promised. He had promised to supply our every need. And he did. He did it all through the time. We began. He never failed us. He never left us. He always, always provided what we had to have at the time, never ahead of time, but always at the time we had the money. And I tell you, young folks, if God calls you to do something, don't worry about what's going to happen because when the showdown comes, he'll show down. He sure will. He always does. He always shows up at the showdown. And it's so precious <laughs> Oh, glory to God. He's so good. And we would, in 1947, the young people in the United States sent up the boat, the Madura, for us to r r use because there wasn't, there was about five miles of road on one side and six on the other. So altogether we had 11 miles of road on that island. and But we had to have a car. We had to have a boat. We couldn't get to any other village. Sitka was the only village on Baranoff Island. And we, we couldn't get around to do anything. So they sent up that boat. And we used it. My husband had never, never driven a boat. But this fellow that was the engineer on this boat, they, that boat, the big Alaska boat, would come in every two or three weeks. I can't remember. I think, I believe it was every three weeks it would come in. And uh, 
the engineer taught my husband how to run the boat, and he helped him get started. And there was an old man that lived there in Sitka that used to be a Navy man, and he helped my husband learn how to run the boat and told him all so very carefully. He said, keep your eye on the place you're going, and then when, while you're going that way, be sure that you watch the shoreline because the tides will force you towards the island. And he felt that was right. If a Christian will keep their mind right straight ahead on the goal they're going to and not let the tides and the winds and people's feelings push you to the side. And that was a good message. He, he learned that. He got him a, a little notebook, and he made that out as a sermon, you know, too, that, to watch the shoreline. And that way we learned. And we went to Huna. That's the first place he felt like he needed to go to get another church started over there. So we went over to Huna. We got the little church going, and then we got Brother Charlie Yaden. He was about 18 and just got out of school. And he came up and took her over, and his little sister Gracie, she was just about a year younger than he was, came up with him, and they took over the work in Huna. Then we went to, uh, oh, I can't remember the next place, I'm sorry. But he come up to Anchorage to try to get a, a, a church there. And Brother Crumbacker was a barber. They called him Butch there. In, <laughs> he was in the, just had his barber shop in the area. Butch. And so when we, and Brother, oh, what's the man's name? God help me. I can't, I can't remember the name right now, but there was one other boy and his wife were there that were Christians. So we started, a, he started a little church in their house, in Brother Crumpacker's house and got it started, and then he was looking and looking and walking the streets and walking the streets, trying to find a place to hold services, some place that we could buy, and he didn't have a dollar, but he was just walking, and one day he was walking past a, a shop window, and he looked in the window, and there was an old man, just looked so dejected, he come to find out it was him looking at himself, the way he was walking down that street. And he knew he would never make any impression on anybody if he looked like that. So he straightened up and straightened up his clothes and he walked briskly and he went walking around and finally he found a place he could rent. God was just showing him that he had to spruce up and, and look like a a businessman or something, or he couldn't get anything done for the Lord. 
I didn't have to look so dejected and so beat up. And he got a place for 12000 they said he could have. So he phoned back down to me and told me to pray, pray hard, because he was going to go to see the owners of that church. And they, he went to see them, and they let him pay $1,500 down, I think it was, and so much a month, and put it down to where he could buy it somehow or other. And we got to praying and praying and praying about that, and the Lord worked it out. So they got a church, and he wrote to Brother Corrin in Tennessee, or, no, Louisiana, and they came up and took over the church and started the church in Anchorage. And then he was in such a just hurt all over, you know. You know how how you get when you're burdened. You just get all wisened up and and so heavy that you can hardly walk around. You get down on your knees and it just rolls out of you, and, and you just you just plead with the Lord for what has to be done and where to go next and what to do next and and we did and he he told us to go I think the next place was Seward uh, there had been a school teacher in in Sterling and they called him to be the principal in Seward so he went down there and uh, we held services in that teacher's house on Tuesday nights. We'd go down to Seward, and we finally got the little church going there. And then the next place we tried was Homer. It was so hard. We couldn't get anything started there. It seemed like we'd go down there, and, and there was just no response, hardly at all. We did get... One girl filled with the Holy Ghost, and she came up to Sitka and was baptized there. And then there was another couple that came and from Homer and were baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost, and then they moved out. That's the trouble with Alaska. Every place you go seems like people just come in to work for the summer. Then they're gone back down to the States in the winter. And we lost so many people that way. Every place there was, and they said the same thing in Anchorage, the same thing in Fairbanks. People would come in there, and they'd work for the, in the summer, and then they'd move back to the States and live off of the money that they'd made up here. And fishermen would come. We had a fisherman that came up from, or one of the boys from our church in Parma, Idaho, and he bought him a, car, a boat, and he fished. And every time that we'd go out on the boat, on the Madura, to uh, go to a, another place, this boy on the Mabel Am boat would pull up by the side of us, and he'd throw a peanut car, can, a little empty peanut, salted peanut can over on the boat, and we'd pick it up, and there inside was his tithe, where he had he had sold the fish and put his tithe in there. And when he'd come to the Madura, he'd throw it over onto our boat. And somehow he just kept us going a good part of the time. 
And you you might not feel like sometimes that your tithe is doing anybody any good. But I'm telling you, God puts into the hearts of his people to pay their tithes for some reason. He can use that money, and you don't know where it goes, but God knows. He, he, he took takes it and uses it where it's needed. And we certainly needed that tithe from that boy out there fishing. Oh, then he went and got the church started down in, uh, did I say Hona? Yeah, Hona first, and then, I can't remember the names of all the places, but there was different places, and every place that we'd have to start, uh, we'd get acquainted with new people. And the Lord would put on me the burden for their souls. And I know I remember many times that I would agonize and pray before the Lord for those souls to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And soon they would be. And he, my husband would baptize them right out in the bay. We didn't have any baptistry then. We'd take them right out in the bay and baptize them. And it was precious. It was just precious. We'd walk down the street and he'd baptize them and then all the little kids in the in the street would follow us down there and they'd throw rocks in the bay while he was getting baptized. But I don't care, the Lord was there too. And he was always there. God, is there anything you want to know about so that I could tell you something? I didn't get all that. She, she said she admires your prayer life and, and any advice as to how you can be a real effective prayer warrior for God. I remember when she got the Holy Ghost. Her sister had gotten the Holy Ghost there. And, <laughs> and she was so jealous. I think her sister was 13 and she was 11. And uh, we'd go pick them up almost out to Kenai. We lived in Sterling then. We'd go and pick them up in the car and, and take them to church. And That was after we got to Sterling. And uh, Stella got the Holy Ghost, and then Sa Sandy was so jealous, she just stayed at home, and she prayed and prayed that she got the Holy Ghost right at home all by herself. <laughs> she just had to have it. <laughs> Oh, hallelujah. The Lord is so good. <laughs> well, I, I forget she, now. She wanted to know. Oh, how? Oh, I see what you mean. You wanted to know how we, how you could be a prayer warrior. It comes from the yearning on your heart to see people saved. You just get down and agonize before the Lord sometimes. They call it travailing, and that's what it is. Your, your, your body just works and agonizes just like you did when you had your children, you know, when little Heather was born. And, and uh, D, D, what's the girl's name? Dundee. Dundee. Why, you get down to pray, 
and and you agonize before God. It just comes. You don't do it. The Lord does it through you. And it's wonderful. I, I wish that people could understand that it isn't anything that we do. It's what God does through us. You get down with the burden on your soul, and he just agonizes through you for those people that you want to see saved. He's so good. He never calls you to do anything but what you can do it because he does it through you. Now, that's a fact. Uh, he does it through you. When you get hungry in your heart to see somebody saved and you really get down before the Lord and you're earnest and honest and he knows it, he will take your own body and agonize till till you know you've touched heaven and it's just glorious. Then you can praise the Lord and you can have faith that they're going to be saved. Maybe they won't be saved for 10 years after that, but you know they're going to be. And it's just wonderful. You can know that he's going to do what he promises because you can't make that person be saved, but the Lord can start in working on them and he just works on their hearts and he makes them so miserable they can't hardly live and they've just got to come and it may take a long time you know if, what, if I tried to ch change you some way I couldn't do it but God could do it he could get in your mind and make you think about it and he'd make you so miserable you just couldn't stand it until you got on your knees and give your heart to the Lord I saw that last last week when I was in Anchorage to have my eye operated on. I stayed with one of the ladies that had been with us in Sitka. And that night, she found out that we were going to be there, and she brought her husband. This girl brought her husband. She had been in our church in Sitka, and um, <laughs> she brought her husband. And he didn't had never given his heart to the Lord. He had been a, almost 315 pounds and he'd lost weight down to 145 and I wouldn't have known him if I'd have met him on the street because of <laughs> he's got so skinny and I knew that God was working on him God was had given him uh, uh, all that kind of disease where you oh diabetes he had to take shots and everything and he was in a bad condition he lost down to 145 pounds, and she brought him over that night to see us, and uh, she asked us to pray for him. Well, I suppose she meant praying for his body because he was so skinny. So we prayed for his body, and while I was still down on my knees praying, I asked him, I said, Skip, did you ever give your heart to the Lord? He said, No. I said, well, now's the time to do it if you want to be well. I said, God has made you well or sick so that he could talk to you. And I said, you know you've been troubled. Yeah, he nodded. I said, well, you just give your heart to Jesus and give him all your sins and he'll just take them all away. And I said, we're going to pray for you now. So we prayed that God would touch his heart and help him to give himself to him. And he began to pray. And he said, God, forgive all my sins. And after that, 
he and his wife both, there were smiles all over their faces. They were the happiest thing. I talked to her on the phone this morning, and she sounded like a different person. And he, she says, he is so different. He just smiles. And I tried to encourage her to go to Brother Blackshear's church and so he could be baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, because she she teaches Sunday school in the Friends Church, but he won't go with her. And, oh, God will show you how to. Uh, yes, if you really want to be a, a prayer warrior, get down on your knees and ask God to put the burden on your soul for that certain person. Maybe it's your cousin or your next-door neighbor or something. Ask the Lord to give you a burden for that person. And he will. He'll put it on you hard. 